Amen. All right, well, we're going to get started tonight, and I'm going to try to talk fast, and hopefully you can look and listen fast. Um, this is a subject that I don't think is the most edifying subject in the world, uh, but I do think that it's something that needs to be discussed and learned, and I do think a lot of times it gets learned the wrong way, and I know that I was amongst people that taught it and learned it the wrong way, and that's kind of how I got to understand Israel in the wrong way. And uh, so you might be surprised at what I say tonight, and then again, you might not. You might be shocked or dismayed or even angry at what I say tonight, and I'm certainly not trying to uh, offend anybody in what I'm going to teach tonight, uh, but I am going to teach something that you're not going to hear on the Christian radio today or on the Christian TV today, uh, but I do believe it's in the Word of God, and that's the final authority for me, and that's what matters. And so uh, the subject is, Who is Israel? Ten years ago, I wrote a book, Who is Israel? Uh, because this thing became such an interesting topic for me. The reason why I was interested in Israel is because I was interested in the end times and how the Bible teaches it versus how we're being told it unfolds today. Some of our songs we sang tonight was about the coming and the return of Christ. If you remember back in Genesis chapter number 32, Jacob wrestled with an angel. Now, does anybody know who the angel was? Does anybody want to guess who the angel was that Jacob wrestled with? I believe it was Jesus, yes. I believe it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Most people do. If you remember that story, Jacob wrestled with this angel. And the, angel the word angel means messenger. And this, this was undoubtedly, I think, in my opinion anyway, Christ himself, and most people agree. <laughs> you remember in that wrestling match, Jacob ended up getting his thigh hurt. And, uh, and then the angel, whoever it was wrestling with him, gave him a name. And what name did he, did he give him? Israel. And so then Jacob became known as Israel. The word Israel means a prince with God. And uh, I just want to say that I believe that Jacob gave, or excuse me, that Jesus gave Jacob his name. That he named him after him. That Jesus is the original Israel. And um, that's who I believe uh, first had the name Israel, and then Jacob was given that name. I don't think Jacob's the only one that has that name today, but I think he is uh, the one who uh, we see in the Bible as a human being, given it uh, specifically here. Now, I want to keep going, and I'll click this and try to talk fast, as I said. Um, if you turn with Exodus chapter 4, and as you turn there, I'm just going to go quickly in some of these, but Exodus chapter 4, you know that if you know the story of, of the people they were in into Egypt, they were in bondage as slaves in Egypt, and God used Moses to bring them out of Egypt. And Exodus chapter 4 is a really interesting uh, verse because it says something kind of odd speaking of Jacob but in Exodus chapter 4 verse 22 and 23 uh, the Lord tells Moses to go in and talk to Pharaoh and verse 22 and this is what the Lord tells Moses to say to Pharaoh and thou shalt say unto Pharaoh thus saith the Lord Israel is my son even my firstborn and I say unto thee let my son go that he may serve me and if thou refuse to let him go behold I will slay thy son even thy firstborn and so we see here that uh, it, these the Hebrew people were captive in Israel, or excuse me, in Egypt, and, and uh, the Israelites were there, and they're they're now descendants of Jacob, and there's many of them. And God says, "Israel is my son, even my firstborn." That's interesting because if you know the story of Jacob, Jacob was a twin, and he had a brother named Esau, and Esau was the older brother, and Jacob was the younger brother. So. When God says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn, I don't believe, even though I know that the nation of Israel is in the context here, I don't believe that God was just talking about the nation of Israel. 
I think that God was literally saying, Israel is my son, and he's my firstborn. Now, we know in John chapter 3 that Jesus was the only begotten and is the only begotten son of God. Well, if you're the only begotten son, you're the firstborn. All right, in case you didn't know that. Uh, and then Hosea chapter 11. Why, is this, why am I saying this? Because it connects to Hosea chapter 11. So, if he, or excuse me, Exodus 4 connects to Hosea 11. What does Hosea 11 say? Hosea 11 says that God called his son out of Egypt. God called his son out of Egypt. And I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 2, but if you're in Hosea 11, someone read it for me. Hosea 11 verse 1. Hosea 11 and verse 1. Anybody? Can anybody read that for me real quick? All right, so God says, I called my son out of Egypt. Now, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 15, we, we, have, we now have the story of Jesus, and Jesus is being pursued by Herod, the king, and uh, he's going to kill him, and so Jesus needs to flee, and uh, Joseph and Mary are warned uh, by an angel that they need to flee uh, the, the area of Bethlehem and J Jerusalem, and they go into Egypt, and this is all part of the prophecy that he was supposed to spend time in Egypt. And so then Matthew chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, and was there, Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and was there until the death of Herod, Matthew 2, 15, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, this would be Hosea, out of Egypt have I called my son. So Hosea 11, 1 says, Israel is my son. Exodus chapter 4 says, Israel is my firstborn son. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, ties it all together and says, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And we know that Jesus literally was in Egypt as a child. I say all that to say this, and that is, is that I do believe that Jesus Christ is the original Israel. Isaiah chapter number 49 is another place you could go. In that chapter, you see it uh, just point blank. I mean, it's just so there. If you know anything about the prophecy of Christ and things like that, I mean, there's so many allusions uh, alluding uh, to Christ in these past in these verses here, Isaiah forty nine, verse one. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb; from the bowels of my mother hath He made mention of my name. The Bible says that she would call His name Emmanuel, which is God with us. That He would be born of a virgin, and and so Christ is likened here. Verse 2, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. If you know anything about the book of Revelation, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, uh, out of his mouth was a, was a sword, a sharp sword. Uh, the word of God is called the sword of the Lord. And the word of God, for, of course, proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so here we again, we see something that connects to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, and said unto me, thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So this person that was called from his mother's womb and has a, out of his mouth a sharp sword is now being addressed by God, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So God says to this person, You are Israel, and I will be glorified in you. Verse 5, and verse following in verse 5 says, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Now, this person named Israel is going to bring Jacob again to God. So therefore, this person Israel isn't Jacob. All right? Because this person Israel is going to be used to bring Jacob to God. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And 
he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest, thou, Israel, this person, shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. Jesus was prophesied to be a light to the Gentiles as well as raising up the 12 tribes of Israel. I will also be up for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. There's so much there, and I know that I'm not the only one who believes that Isaiah 49 is certainly referring to and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet his name he is referred to as Israel. Why am I saying that? Because I'm talking about who is Israel. And then there's another passage that's somewhat famous, and a lot of people quote it a lot, and in 2 Chronicles 7.14 it says, If my people, which are called by my name. So who was his, you know, King Solomon was king when, when God said these words. So who was God's people when King Solomon was king? Israel. If my people, which are called by my name, all right? I, I, just, I just think that it fits. I, I, I don't think there's anything doctrinally wrong. Uh, I don't think there's any Bible violated to recognize that Jesus Christ is the original Israel, that it was his name before he ever gave it to Jacob in that wrestling match. Uh, I want to keep going here, though, because I want to show you some things that, that I think is causing a real problem, and that is a misunderstanding of who is Israel. Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter number 2. I do believe that Jesus Christ is the original Israel, but is Jesus Christ the only Israel? Well, he's the original Israel, but is he the only one that can be Israel or is allowed to be called or, or to be Israel? The answer is no. The answer is no because obviously Jesus placed that name upon Jacob. And there was a whole nation called Israel. And the Old Testament was given to us as examples for our learning and as a type and as a pattern for us to see and to, and to learn from. The Old Testament is given for us to see the a physical uh, uh, allegory physical parable or physical illustration object lesson of something spiritual in Romans chapter number two and the last verses of the chapter it says in verse uh, 28 for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. What in the world does that mean? Well, it, 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 it obviously means that even though God certainly did institute an outward circumcision for a physical people or a nation, and, and even though there really were people in the Old Testament who were outwardly born into a Jewish lineage, you get to the New Testament and uh, this, of course, is written by Paul, who was a Jew physically, outwardly. And yet he says at the end of chapter 2, you're not really a Jew, just outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But a, a true Jew, or uh, apparently so, which is one inwardly. And, and it's a spiritual circumcise. Remember what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7 when he was being stoned by the Pharisees, which would be Stephen, of course. Stephen said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart and ears. In other words, he was a circumcised, but he was a 
said, but you're on the other side of the house. Stephen was not. Stephen wasn't just a Jew outwardly. He was a Jew inwardly. Remember in John chapter 1, someone brought Nathanael to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Nathanael and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed. What does that mean? Behold, an Israelite indeed. The rest of the New Testament backs us up that Jesus saw not just an outwardly born Jew, but an inwardly believer. We, we studied on Sunday nights how the, the apostles, the twelve apostles, were all baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't baptized in the flesh; he thought they were saved and believed. Nathaniel was one of the twelve. Jesus says, "An Israelite indeed. You're not just an Israelite on the outside, but every but you have an inward circumcision, a heart circumcision." You are a Jew on the inside, an Israelite indeed. Another passage that's interesting is uh, in Corinthians chapter number 10, when you get to the Lord's Supper, and, and Paul's talking about the Lord's Supper and, and communion in chapter 10, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. And I can't remember if it's verse 18, but in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is talking, he's trying to use the Old Testament Jews as an object lesson. And so he says, behold, Israel after the flesh. That's what he says, behold, Israel after the flesh. Now, I just want to stop and say, <clears throat> why would he say, behold, Israel after the flesh, unless there's another flesh? It, it would make, it didn't, all he, he didn't need to qualify it. He could have just said, behold, Israel. If, 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 if the only Israel that was in there is a true believer, then he could have just said, behold, Israel. He said, behold, Israel after the flesh. I know I'll spend what verse it is we can, but it's chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. And... Uh, I don't care if you tell me or not, but I didn't want to take the time to look it up. But that, that is there in case you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And then I want you to, if you're in Romans still, I want you to go with me, if you would, to another passage, and that would be chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. <coughs> Romans chapter 9 and verse number 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Okay, what is that? There can, there can be only one explanation for what he's saying there. Because how can you say they are not all Israel which are of Israel? Unless you're saying there's two different kinds of Israel. Unless you're saying you can be physical Israel without being spiritual Israel. And you can, you can be physically descendant of Abraham and yet truly not be an Israelite. With your finger right there in Romans chapter 9, let me show you Matthew chapter 3. Speaking of John the Baptist, the 12 apostles would have heard John say this to the Pharisees and I'm sure they would have had their mouths wide open when they heard him say it. Because the Pharisees were the Jews who could prove their pedigree. See, the Pharisees, as well as most of the Jews that Jesus is with, were the only remaining part of Israel that still could prove their lineage back to Abraham. They were called the southern kingdom, or the tribe of Judah, and 
Benjamin, some of the Levites, whatever, but mainly Judah Benjamin. And, and so the southern kingdom was the only thing attached to Jesus who was seated sitting king. Acts 16, 17. Go there today. Go there still. There is a civil war between the two or the southern kingdom after Solomon. So when, when someone says, God led the Jews out of Egypt with Moses, no, he led the Israelites. All 12. There's a lot of misunderstanding terms that are confused. But when Jesus came on the scene, the Jews still had their lineage, provable lineage. They were proud of it. Nobody was more proud of it than the Pharisees. They were proud of who they were. And this John the Baptist guy, who was born of, a, of Levite parents, who was also a Jew, he, uh, Matthew 3, verse 7, it says, he's baptizing there, verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, that means offspring of snakes, seed of snakes, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, they were proud of being a generation of Abraham. As a matter of fact, John chapter 8, they got in an argument with Jesus, and they said, we're not born of fornication. Our father is Abraham. Jesus said, if your father was Abraham, you'd love me. He said, I know that physically you are the sons of Abraham, but you aren't really a child of Abraham, because the word comes out of your mouth. You can read John 8 on your own. But notice what John the Baptist says, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. In other words, I don't baptize people unless they're repentant. I don't baptize people unless they're saved. Uh, we, we baptize here, but we only baptize believers, people who are saved, who have repented of something, repented of being an unbeliever in sin. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. Listen to what he says. Think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones, and I'm sure he pointed at some, to raise up children unto Abraham. Now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Your days are numbered. You need to repent. Because you think that your descendants of Abraham make you something special? I'm going to tell you something. God could raise up children to Abraham out of these stones right here. So what are you getting at, Master? What I'm getting at is that a physical Israel was not the deal, except for one thing. Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 2 are the only places, or the last of the places where you'll find a genealogy. A list of names. And who begat, and who begat, and who begat, and who begat. And you get to the end of the list, and the one person that matters is Jesus. In other words, the only genealogy that matters in the New Testament 
is Jesus' genealogy because God just was wanting to prove that he kept his promise to Abraham and King David. Oh, by the way, King David was of Judah. And so even though the northern tribes had assimilated and, and basically spread out all over and became Samaritan and became genealogy you'll write, read in the Bible is Jesus' genealogy. In fact, two times in the Bible it says we're not to spend time paying attention to endless genealogies. In other words, your pedigree no longer matters. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. You tell that to a Jew 2,000 years ago or even today, them's fighting words. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but Jesus had a visitor in John chapter 3, and Nicodemus, ruler of the Pharisees, ruler of the Jews, came and said, ask me anything. Why? My first birth is, you must be born again. I say unto thee, all of you must be born again. So in Romans chapter 9, when Paul says in verse 6, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. He's saying, just because they're Israelites doesn't mean they're Israelites indeed. Doesn't mean they're spiritually Israel. <laughs> Verse 7, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. Just because they're descendants of Abraham. <coughs> and, then he, and then he talks about Isaac. And what he means by that is, in Isaac shall thy seed be called, that is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. See, the firstborn of Abraham was Ishmael. But the children of promise are counted for the seed. And we don't have time right now to look at it. But Galatians chapter 4 says, in verse 22 and following, that Ishmael and Isaac were an allegory. What is an allegory? It's a picture of something. You read Galatians 4, and you might miss it later. But Galatians 4, the end of the chapter, it says, Ishmael is a representation of the flesh. And Isaac is a representation of the children of promise. You have the children of flesh and the children of promise. The children who were born naturally children who are born again spiritually. And Isaac was a miracle birth, if you remember. Sarah was 90 years old. Just like your salvation's a miracle birth. <clears throat> and Ishmael represents the Jerusalem that now is present tense. That's what it says in Galatians 4. Ishmael represents, in other words, literally, Paul's saying the physical Jews or the physical Israelites are just Ishmaelites, really. And it is the saved, no matter where they come from, that are the Isaacites. And that's the point here. So we'll turn to Galatians, and this time we'll go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 7. Verse 6, even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's how you get righteous is by believing God. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Do you have to be fleshly related to be a child of Abraham or do you just need to have faith? Verse 8, scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel of Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith 
are blessed with faithful Abraham. Look with me in verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. And then verse uh, 26. For ye were, are all the children, ye, talking to the Galatian Christians, the churches in Galatia, ye are all the children of God by birth, by physical birth, no, by, by faith, born again in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now listen to this, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now obviously, we still have a men's room and a ladies' room. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about a spiritual recognition by God it really doesn't matter to him if you're Jewish or Greek it doesn't matter to him if you're a bond servant or you're a free man it doesn't matter to him if you're male or female you're all one in Christ Jesus and verse 29 and if you be Christ if you are a Christian if you're born again then <clears throat> are ye Abraham's seed and heirs inheritors according to the promise not the flesh that's pretty simple isn't it at least there is for me. Now back to Romans chapter 9. And the allegory. So here's what Paul says in Romans 9. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from, my, from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul says, I am so burdened for my, my physical brethren who are related to me according to the flesh, but who are not saved and are not according to the Spirit. That's what he's saying. If you doubt that, chapter 10, verse 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer is that they might be saved. And so verse 4 of chapter 9, he says, They are Israelites. To who, who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. It's all theirs. They've had first dibs on all this good stuff. Whose are the fathers, and of whom is concerning the flesh? Christ came. Jesus came from them, who is over all God, blessed forever. Amen. But then he says, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they going to make it. They're not, they're not children of God just because they're the seed of Abraham. As Galatians says, it's in by faith that they're children of Abraham. That is... Verse 8, they, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, just like Ishmael. The children of the promise are counted for the seed. The reason why I'm saved is because God's given me the promise of eternal life when I trusted him. I'm a child of promise. I think most of the people in this room, you are a child of promise. What I failed to point out when we were back in Galatians chapter 3 is the phrase in Christ. They that are in Christ, the same are the children of Abraham. I love that phrase. I inherit what he inherits in Christ. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abram, 
get thee out of my country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. These and thou's are important. Thee means singular. Let me show you something. Verse 3 again. I will bless them that bless thee, and then curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to the world. And I will bless you, Abraham, singularly. Verse 7 says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed, not just you personally, singular, but to thy seed will I give this land, and therefore it will be an altar unto the Lord. Don't change the Bible. It doesn't need to be rewritten. It just needs to be reread. We use the King James Version because it's accurate. And it uses the these and thous. You know what happens when you change thee and ye to you? You know what happens with in English when you use the word you? I can look at all of you and go, y'all are ugly. You are ugly. Or, hey, you, take out the garbage. Did I just tell the entire audience to take out the garbage? Or did I tell one person to take out the garbage? I don't know, because you can be singular or plural. And you know what modern Bible versions do? They change these and thous and yees and yours to, ye, to, to you. So, in the New International Version, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you know what's happened over the last several decades? through modern teaching and churches. God will bless anyone who blesses Israel. Like a lucky rabbit foot. Like a talisman. You got to bless Israel. If you don't bless Israel, you won't be blessed. The Bible says it in Genesis chapter 12. No, it said thee. It was talking to Abraham. Not necessarily every one of Abraham's descendants, except for one seed. The these and the vows are very important. You've got to have these and vows in the Bible. And uh, <clears throat> Galatians 3, where we were a minute ago, and I read this verse, this confirms that. Now to Abraham and his seed, singular, were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds, as of many, but as of one, to thy seed, which is Christ. Now, <clears throat> if I were to tell you that if you want to be blessed, you need to bless the Israel of God, the singular seed of Abraham, Jesus, if you are a blessing to Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, you will be blessed. That is an accurate statement. And did you know that one day, years and years ago, America used to be a blessing to Jesus Christ? There was never a nation more Christian than the one ours started We've got to bless the nation of Israel because if we don't bless the nation of Israel, we won't be blessed. If you count the last 75 years of American history, I promise you, you're not going to find the greatest blessings of this country in the Bible. Are you with me on this? The these and thous are important. And even my friends who, who say they use the King James Bible will, quote, will misquote it and a lot of it came from this right here, a Schofield reference Bible. Because a Schofield reference Bible was the King James. But, and, and, and Schofield himself said, I, I use the King James because it was the popular Bible of the day, 100, 100 years ago. 
But he put notes at the bottom of Genesis 12, and in the notes he said, God promises Abraham that he will be a, that if people will bless his descendants, they will be blessed. God never said descendants. Plural. God said, these, Abraham, and seed, singular, and Galatians 3 backs that up. Now, can the word seed be singular or plural? Absolutely. You know why that's cool? Because if you and I get saved, we're also part of that in Christ's seed. But the original seed is Jesus. You can't hardly read this, and I apologize. But the New Living Translation actually has it right in there in the passage. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. And evangelicals in America have been brainwashed with this for years. You hear it even on Fox News. You hear it on most conservative. I mean, this is most of, I'd say just about every other church around here probably. But one day I realized that's not what God's talking about. And that doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I happen to know, just reading the Bible, that there's some descendants of Abraham that probably aren't even in heaven. You ever heard of Judas? There's some real lousy, I mean, Absalom? There's some pretty lousy descendants of Abraham out there who were Jews physically, but I'm not convinced they're in heaven. Maybe they are, but I, I just don't believe every descendant of Abraham in heaven just because they were a descendant of Abraham. I mean, John the Baptist said, good grief, we can take a using the word you is watering it down and, and opening the door. I hope you're following what I'm saying. So we got the King James stacked up against all the other versions. And there's a reason. But remember Galatians chapter 3, the last verse. The second to last verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. All these different color-skinned people eating hands around the Bible. There is neither Jew nor Greek. That's the beauty of his family. That's the beauty of salvation. Is that we all can be one. There should never be a black church. There's no need for that. I like what one old black preacher said. He said, the only color church ought to be is red. To represent the blood of Jesus for all of us. The only thing that should separate churches from one another. respecter of persons. The Bible says that he broke down the middle wall of partition between us. God did not want to have a weird Gentile division of Jews and then our descendants will bless all the people of the earth. And when our nation was following the word of God just like churches ought to be, our nation was a melting pot. There was no Afro-American Jewish-American or you know no, you're just American correct? the same thing with church okay, all, all the Jewish Christians sit on this side, all the Gentile Christians 
They, they tried that, and Paul said, no, no, no. I'm not doing that. So what is replacement theology? Someone listening to this would say, your pastor is replacement theology. He's teaching you that the church replaces Israel, and that's evil. That's what brought about the, the Holocaust. Look, all I know is, is that there's a lot of stuff that gets labeled replacement theology, and, it, and maybe people are thinking something different, but I, I guarantee you I'm not teaching any kind of hatred toward anybody, anybody. Does the Bible teach that the real Israel is the saved, the church? Demonstrate that to you. I hope you understand that. That, that, that the Bible does teach that the, they, they that are in Christ, the same are the children of Abraham. Doesn't God want all men to be saved and added to his church? Or does God say, all of you Gentiles get saved, you get to be a part of the church. But the Jews, even if they get saved, they're still separated. That's not what he said. In fact, the first church, the one that Jesus started, John's disciples, they're all Jews. Peter, Matthew, Andrew, James, John, they're all Jews. They got saved. Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, but he got saved. The early church in the New Testament was mostly Jews for, the, for quite a while. Then they found out God wanted Gentiles to be a part of the church. So this teaching that the church and Israel are separate, no. God was taking these two institutions, Old Testament, New Testament, making one family. And Ephesians 3 says that the whole family, heaven and earth, is in him. I'm the same family as Abraham. Abraham's my father just like he is your father if you're saved. And I don't have to prove any kind of DNA. Who are God's chosen people? Who are God's chosen people? Good question. they that have a pedigree physically. I've been guilty because I was taught that way. They're God's chosen people. You've got to go bless them. Listen, God's chosen people are those who are choosing him. This is Rabbi, I can't remember his last name. I just want to say this to our Christian friends, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just, to, just to call it as it is and say it straight out, you know, you, you guys are worshiping one Jew. That's a mistake. You should be worshiping every single one of us because we all die for your sins every single day. And that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. We're, we're all God's first and We're dying for your sins right now because, because the Jewish people in the land of Israel are the bulwark right. against the orcs. Okay, the orcs are coming, not to a theater ne near you, but to your home. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. You make a mistake of worshiping one Jew. You need to be worshiping all of us, because we all die for your sins every single day. We are the firstborn. Now, I, I showed you who the firstborn is. 
So you, you want to accuse me of replacement theology? I'm going to tell you what replacement theology is. Is when you take the original Israel and shove him to the side and make yourself Israel. That's replacement theology. And the word anti, <clears throat> it means instead of or against. When I hear anti, I usually think opposite, opposition, against. But it also can mean a replacement, instead of. So, <clears throat> antichrist means instead of Christ and or against Christ. And the man of sin, who people call the antichrist, will place himself instead of Christ. But friends, what you just heard that man say is very anti Christ. They're replacing themselves for Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 and 23 says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Who denies Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. We were talking about Jehovah's Witnesses when we were during prayer time, Dallas and I and some others. And um, a lot of people will say, man, that's Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And they do. They don't, they don't believe in the same Jesus of the Bible. But let's, listen, friend, I agree with that except for one thing. Remember, this was written 2,000 years ago, and there weren't any Jehovah's Witnesses back then. So who was John talking about when he wrote this? Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. If you deny Jesus, you don't even have the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. So it is wrong to say that they are God's chosen people when they don't even have the Father or the Christ. I'm going to play it again. Does that crank up as loud as it can be? So you can read the word, and I'm sorry if I'm louder. I just want to say this to our Christian friends, mm -hmm. you know. Just to, just to call it as it is and say it straight out, you know, you, you guys are worshiping one Jew. That's a mistake. You should be worshiping every single one of us because we all die for your sins every single day. And that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. We're, we're all God's firstborn. We're dying for your sins right now because, because the Jewish people in the land of Israel are the bulwark right. against the orcs. Mm -hmm. Okay? The orcs are coming not to a theater ne near you, but to your home. Behold, I will make them of the sin. I don't even know what an orc is, except I think it has to do with the Lord of the Rings or something. Um, but that's, that's blasphemy. That's replacing Jesus with themselves. In 2 John, in 2 John 7 through 11, here's what it says. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive the full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So if someone is antichrist and does not recognize Jesus Christ as God, you should not bid him Godspeed. You should not stand with them. You should not support them. I didn't say you should bomb them. I didn't say you should hate them. 
I didn't say you should be ugly to them. But that's the opposite of what evangelicals are saying all over our country. You need to bless them. No, you shouldn't even give them Godspeed. Godspeed means may you have a good, successful way. This is opposite of what you're hearing. See, somewhere along the way, we left the Bible and we started following men's doctrines. This is my fact checker. When I heard the news a week ago Sunday on October 8th, when I heard the news about what was going on in the Middle East, I knew what was going to hit the fan. I knew what was going to happen. I knew how it was going to go. And I was aware that, you know, most people are going to allow what they're seeing and what they're hearing to change their opinions or to form their opinions about things. And who, and who can hardly blame them as human beings? I mean, when you're shown people being slaughtered and people being killed and people being murdered and, 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 and it's ugly and it's awful and, and, and everything about it, you can start to get persuaded. And then, and then if, you, if you watch Fox News instead of CNN or you watch Fox News, you, you know, you're going to hear this type of, I mean, they're very much, I, I walked by Fox News yesterday in a business office. I walked by and they had it on the news and they said, the war on Israel. Not the war in Israel, the war on Israel. This is me. I cross out Israel and I write Jesus. I stand with Jesus. He's the original Israel. I didn't say I stand with the Palestinians versus Israel. This is not a pro-Palestinian message tonight. This certainly isn't a pro-Israel message either. But what this is, is hold it, time out. I'm not standing on either side. I'm standing with Jesus. Well, pastor, you must not know what's going on. You must be in the dark. This is what I posted last week. Try to keep in mind that the same media that brought you COVID and the elections of 2020 are now telling you what's going on in the Middle East. Try to keep that in mind. Just, just try, to, try to remember it's the same people. And do you know who owns the media? Do you know who runs the media in our country and most of the world? When I was a boy, I watched the NFL games, and I loved to watch football and kind of stuff. They didn't have an instant replay review. They did that used to be. And so they would, the, the, the TV network would show us, the audience, what happened in slow motion. And then it would be like, oh, 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 the ref got it. Oh, that guy did that first, and then that guy just retaliated for the what that guy. And they nailed that guy for the retaliation, but they didn't get the guy who really If you were a team and you never got to own the replay cameras, the other team owned all the replay cameras. Do you know what's going on in the Middle East, folks? One side owns the cameras. I'm not denying what you saw on their cameras. I'm just telling you, you didn't see what they did first. And I'm going to show you a little snippet of all this. Nothing gruesome, nothing gross but I'm going to try to explain this to you by showing you some secular things. Just five, ten minutes and we'll be done. Nothing to worry about here, nothing. 
for you to worry about. Sam, flip that over, would, would you, and start that first video. It's five minutes long. This is a man who is a Jew. This man, here, blow it up, Sam. This man is a Jew. Let's start here. This man is a Jew. He lives, I believe, in Canada. He refers to himself as a Holocaust survivor. Holocaust survivor as an infant. Um, I barely survived. My, my, my grandparents were killed in Auschwitz. And uh, most of my extended family was killed. I became a Zionist. But this dream of the Jewish people resurrected in their historical homeland and the barbed wire of Auschwitz being replaced by the boundaries of a, of a Jewish state with a powerful army. And then I found out that it wasn't exactly like that. That in order to make this Jewish dream a reality, we had to visit a nightmare on the local population. And there's no way you could have ever created uh, a Jewish state without uh, oppressing and ex expelling the local population. Jewish Israeli historians have shown without a doubt that the expulsion of the Palestinians was persistent, it was pervasive, it was cruel, it was murderous, and with deliberate attempt. So that's what's called the Nakba in Arabic, the disaster or the catastrophe. There's a law that you cannot deny the Holocaust. But in Israel, you're not allowed to mention the Nakba, even though it was at the very basis of the foundation of the state. I visited the occupied territories, Russell, during the first intifada. I cried every day for two weeks at what I saw. The brutality of the occupation, the petty harassment, the murderousness of it, or cutting down of Palestinian olive groves, the denial of water rights, the humiliations. And this went on, and it's much worse now than it was then. It's the, long, it's the longest ethnic cleansing operation in the 20th and 21st centuries. I could land in Tel Aviv tomorrow and demand citizenship under the right law of the right of return. But my Palestinian friend in Vancouver, Hannah Kawas, who was born in Jerusalem, can't even visit. Now, if I have the right of return after 2,000 years, how come Hannah hasn't got the right to return after 70 years? So then you have these miserable people packed into this horrible, people call it the world's largest outdoor prison, which is what it is. You don't have to support Hamas policies to stand up for Palestinian rights. That's a complete falsity. If you take the worst thing you can say about Hamas, multiply it by a thousand times, and it still will not meet the Israeli repression and killing and dispossession of Palestinians. Anybody who criticizes Israel is an anti-Semite, is simply an egregious attempt to intimidate good non-Jews who are willing to stand up for what is true. If you look at the Western press, when Hong Kong demonstrators throw stones at the police in Hong Kong, that's considered to be heroism. When in Myanmar, the demonstrators throw slingshots at the army, at the oppressive army, they're considered to be heroes in the Western press. When Palestinian kids throw stones at the Israeli soldiers, they're called terrorists. And uh, Israel gets away with a lot more, without much less criticism, in the Western press than any other country. He runs a program for Palestinian children who spend time in Israeli jails. 
14, 15, 16 year olds are jailed for months or years. Sometimes they can't see their families for months. If she says, we don't have post-traumatic stress disorder here because the trauma is never post. The trauma is daily, she said. He's got any ounce of humanity left. He would cry like I did for two weeks when I was there. Anybody can go on YouTube and listen to Ilan Papi, an Israeli historian. Anybody can listen to Norman Finkelstein, a Jewish professor, world expert on Gaza, who was denied ten tenure at his university because of his public speaking against Israeli policy. You can listen to any number of in, uh, Israeli Defense Forces soldiers who talk about the brutality that they now regret having committed. You can listen to Israeli pilots who talk about why they refuse to fly over Gaza because of the atrocities they're made to commit. You can get all the information you want. So if anybody these days doesn't know, it's not because the information is not available. And none of that excuses not knowing truth and, and this deliberate uh, attempt to silence anybody who speaks, Jewish or non-Jewish. And I really wish that, that, that non-Jews of goodwill would, would stand up against the calumny and not be intimidated by this charge of anti-Semitism. I really wish that. And it's not a question of being pro-Palestinian. It's a question of are you, are you in favor of justice and, 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 and liberty and, 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 and freedom and, and, and truth, or are you not? Flip it to the next one, Sam. Um, they say that Palestine is an open-air prison. The reason why they say that is because they're walled in. They're not allowed to even go out into the ocean more than a few hundred yards. They're not allowed to go into Egypt. Egypt won't let them there. They're not allowed to go up into Israel. I've been to Israel, and I've seen the wall. It's like a Berlin Wall. And they're not allowed to cross over Jordan and Jordan and Egypt have said again just today or yesterday that they're not allowed to cross. And so these people have nowhere to go. Um, the, and on top of that, some of them are just stubborn enough to say, this is my family's land, and I don't care who you are, I'm staying. If I was them, if I was there, I would tell them, it ain't worth it, just go. If you'll get saved and trust Jesus, you'll get a new heaven and a new earth. You can have a mansion in heaven. But... I just want to say that um, I am not pro-Palestinian and I am not anti-Israel. I'm just anti-lies, and that's what's been going on. And we're being manipulated um, as Americans. And we're being um, fed one side to hate the other side. He, he made a great point. When the Chinese stand up to the tanks in Beijing, we call them heroes. But when those kids throw rocks at the soldiers, they're terrorists. Do you, do you have any idea? Uh, we don't. I don't. What it's like to grow up with relatives that have been maimed and blown up and killed. And they just hit a hospital, what was it, yesterday? And over 500 people are dead. And it, just never, it, it just never ends. Now, am I saying that Hamas doesn't do anything wrong? Of course I'm not saying that. But if you want to talk about Hamas, Israel has something called the Mossad. Mossad, quote, the, 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 the motto of the Mossad is, by deception we make war. 
And there's something called false flag terrorism. False flag is when you pretend to be somebody you're not to start something and then it gets blamed on the flag you were flying instead of your flag. Nobody does it better. They got a lot of power. Do you know what the most powerful lobby in America is? It's not the Palestinian lobby. I guarantee you that. I'm not pro-Palestinian, but I am pro-truth. And I showed you the Bible, first of all, because I want you to understand, this is all about what the Bible says. But after reading the Bible and realizing we're being fed a bunch of baloney, people are operating based on what they're seeing on a screen versus what they really know. So last Sunday morning when I heard what had happened, that there had been an attack, and there was a whole bunch of young Jewish kids and young people there were killed, I had to wonder some things. I thought, wow, what what are they thinking? They're never going to get away with it. I mean, Gaza's going to get blown to bits. And then I thought, was it false flag? I thought that. And then I thought this. This is before church Sunday morning. Wait a minute. How did the Israelis not know that was coming? The Israelis are the most sophisticated spy operation in the world. They watch this stuff. How did they? Wait a minute. And I thought all those things before church started Sunday morning. What I didn't really know at that time, though, is, as I know just now, Benjamin Netanyahu is about to get kicked out of office and probably go to, straight to jail. There was demonstrations planned, Jewish demonstrations planned in, in Jerusalem against Netanyahu. They're, they're sick of him. He bragged just a few years ago to Pfizer that he had 86% rate vaccinations in the country, and he was hoping for 95 they're sick of him. He's a dictator. He's been there a long time. And he plays this country very well. I don't trust that guy at all. And you know, you know who is the luckiest man on the earth right now? The guy that was just about to get thrown out of office, but now he's dictator again. And he has our sympathy. Our president just told him he's on, he's on their side. So I found a guy. I found a guy that said what I was thinking. And I don't like him for everything. He is a conservative. He's a young man. His name is Charlie Kirk. He operates the Turning Point USA. And what he said has now gotten him in trouble. Because he says he's pro-Israel, but even he said the obvious. This is only a minute 40. Um, go ahead, Sam. Let me, let me turn the screen back on. I've been in Israel many times. The whole country's a fortress. When I first heard this story, I still had the same gut instinct that I did initially. I find this very hard to believe. I've been to that Gaza border. You, you cannot go 10 feet without running into a 19-year-old with an AR-15 or an automatic machine gun that is an IDF soldier. Right? The whole country is surveilled. And so, so let, me let me just kind of go through this. We don't talk about Israeli politics very often, and most Americans don't know this. The last nine months, Israel was on the brink of civil war. It's not an exaggeration. This judicial stuff, there were, pro there were hundreds of thousands of Israelis taking to the streets because Bibi Netanyahu was basically redefining the Israeli constitution. That's not an exaggeration, right? He said the judicial branch has too much power. There were protests planned this week against Netanyahu where they anticipated tens of thousands of people to take to the streets. That's all gone, Patrick. 
Netanyahu now has an emergency government and a mandate to lead. I'm not, I'm not willing to say to go so far that saying that Netanyahu knew or there was intelligence here. But I think some questions need to be asked. Was there a stand-down order? Was there a stand-down order? Six hours? I don't believe it. Israel's the side of New, size of New Jersey. When I took a helicopter ride from Jerusalem to the Gaza border, it's 45 minutes. Six hours. They're live-streaming the killing of Jews. Was, did somebody in the government say stand-down? That is a legitimate, non- conspiracy question the whole country is the idf <laughs> the whole country is yeah. and you're trying to tell me that they're going to concerts and kibbutzes and schools and by rep- i'm glad he said it on video i wanted to show that there's something going on here you say turn with me to john chapter 11 you say but but you're saying that someone in the Israeli government allowed Jewish young people to be slaughtered just so they could have an advantage in the world stage and politics and and uh, and start World War III if they want to. You're saying that they would that they would kill their own for national for a national agenda. Yes, yes, and I, and I have a document that's two thousand years old that proves that they've done it. And I'll read it to you. John 11. And verse 47. Then gathered gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we for this man doeth many miracles? He just raised Lazarus from the dead. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, unwittingly he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Now God used it. God allowed it. He died for the people. He really did. But they weren't afraid to kill a Jew if it'll save their nation. That's the inspired word of God. So don't get mad at me if I'm suggesting a false flag or whatever. And Charlie's right. It, it, it don't fit. It don't fit. Something's not right. It does take 45 minutes to get there, and they took six hours to get there. Something's wrong. Now, Sam, I'm going to skip that video. Just flip it back over to the PowerPoint, if you would. And we'll be done. The song we sang earlier was, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. That song's not talking about a physical group of people. It's talking about you and I who are believers. Jesus coming and returning for us and ransoming us. That, that, that should be obvious. And, and marching to Zion, it's, it's not over there. I've been over there. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm looking for the new Jerusalem. Yesterday I heard on Christian radio, um, what's his name? Brandon House, 
it was it was under his talk show thing. Some guy called in. I'm sure he's sincere as can be and passionate as can be. He called in and said, there is no such thing as Palestinian Christians. Let's just get that in our head right now. There's no such thing as Palestinian Christians. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I know. I've met. Did you know that Bethlehem is not inside Israel? Bethlehem is in Palestine. Why? Well, because they don't care about who was born in Bethlehem. Beth Bethlehem is, has been the home of a Baptist church. I talked to, and he called me because he read my book, a, a man who used to be the pastor of the Bethlehem Baptist Church, a Palestinian. I'm not saying they're all Christians and the Jews are all not. Not saying that at all. We support a man in Israel. He's there right now. I won't say his name because we're on the air. We support an Israeli man, a Jewish man, born in America, but a dual citizen in Israel, trying to reach the Jews for Christ. But we also support Arabs. And if we could find a Palestinian, we'd support them. But it's hard to support them because you never know if the money's even going to get there. They can't even get food there right now. They can't get nothing. They're blockaded. They're in a prison. They've been there for a long time that way. So you wonder why people are losing their minds and doing what they do. 1947, 1948, <clears throat> the world was told that Israel's getting, Jews are finally going, getting to go home. But do you know there were people that were living there? And they had to be kicked out and go somewhere. And some of them said, I'm not leaving. And it's been a mess ever since. And um, what am I trying to say about all this? I believe Jesus is the original Israel. And so I believe that what we need to do is not listen to the media who we know are liars. We know the media is lying. Come on. It's the same media from three years ago. We need to just do this. We just need to keep our eyes on the true Israel and preach him and, and, and love people. And it doesn't matter. We're, I'm, I'm not taking sides. That's what's... We are being forced to take a side. I'm on Jesus' side. I know what he would do. He would preach the gospel to both sides. And he would love both sides. And he would, and he would focus and stay on the main thing. Don't get carnal. Don't get angry and caught up in something. I do believe in self-defense. If, if you came into my home tonight and you tried to molest me or my family... I would defend my family and myself. And if that means killing you, that's what would happen. But if you came into my home tonight or tomorrow night and somehow I missed it or I was sleeping through it or you conked me on the head and I was out cold and then you molested my family and then I woke up several hours later and it was explained to me the day or two later what had happened and I went and found you and killed you, that wouldn't be self-defense. That would be revenge. About 10 days ago, something awful happened in Israel. And now somebody's taking revenge. Apparently. And all they're doing is making it worse. What happens when your little baby's in the hospital and they get blown to bits? Or what happens when your mother's in the hospital and you find out your mother has been killed and you're a 9 or 10-year-old boy? You think you're not going to hate whoever killed your mom? 
They're just reinventing more terrorists. This is evil. And you know why it's evil? Because both sides have rejected Jesus Christ. I will say I, I do believe there are probably more Palestinian believers than there are Jewish believers. They hate Jesus Christ. Jews, Jews, Jesus is good. I've been there. I was there right after Christmas. There's no Christmas celebrating going on on the Jewish side. Let me just explain this to you. And I'm not I'm not pro I'm not pro Palestinian, but let me just explain this to you. Islam teaches that Jesus was a prophet, but he was not the Son of God. That's wrong. That's not Bible. But they do say he was a prophet. Still not good enough for me. I, you, know, you know what I'm saying? The Babylonian Talmud says that Jesus is boiling in his own excrement in hell. They're God's chosen people. We've got to support them. Are you nuts? You know why so many people reject Christianity? Because they know more what I just said tonight than the Christians do. And they laugh at the Christian. They're like, you aren't reading your Bible. I hope that some of those people will hear this maybe sometime and say, hey, there is a Bible-believing pastor who gets it. Who isn't draping himself in the Israeli? Do, do you, there's this Greg Locke. He's an idiot. Walking around with an Israeli flag saying, I think we're going to turn all of Palestine into a parking lot. Amen. And all the, oh. And it wasn't just Greg Locke, it was independent Baptists that I know that were saying it too. And I said, You guys are wrong. Oh, by the way, I ain't popular in my own circles. No one's inviting me to their conference. Quietly, they say, he's anti-Semite. That's what they quietly whisper. Which is dumb, because they're all Semites over there. They're all descendants of Shem. So, what do I think about what's going on? I think it might turn into World War III. I don't know. But what's sickening to me is watching people who ought to know better, who have the word of God, who ought to know better, stand up and say, please support I stand with this side versus this side because they're the bad guys. How do you know? This side over here has been having abortions in their country since 1948. Abortion has always been legal in Israel. Tel Aviv is the most sodomite city in the world. They have, the, every June, they have, it's Rainbow City in Tel Aviv. How come the conservative Christians aren't talking about that? America gives $11 million to Israel every day. Every day, another $11 million goes to Israel. That was old news. I just heard that the president's upping that now. Listen, the bankers are the ones who run the wars. The bankers get rich off the wars. They make the money. And the pawns, the, the game of chess was invented to show how the world runs. The pawns, that's you and me. That's the soldiers that get thrown out there to do the fighting. And there's even religion involved, the bishops. 
you, you study it. Chess was invented to illustrate what goes on in our world. At the end of a chess game, pawns are never left. And I know some of what I'm saying sounds conspiracy, but I started and back it up with the Bible. And then I used my brain and say, hold it. The same media that lies to me all the time is not all of a sudden telling me the truth. Never, they never do. Why would they? They've got an agenda. So what's the bottom line here? Do you know this person? Do you know him? Have you born again? If you're not born again, you're not a child of Abraham. You need to be born again. I've had some Palestinians reach out to me. They found out about this, you know, and they reach out to me and say, Pastor, feel like a second-class Christian. I don't think it's in your favor at any time. I'm just telling you that people need to hear the truth. Truth is what sets us free, and that starts with salvation. Are you born again? You, just like all the Jews and everyone else, need to be born again. Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you don't, please talk to me about that tonight. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to study it and, and, and talk about it. This is very unusual and very long for a Wednesday, but it's important that, that it gets said. And I pray that all of us and even people that might listen to this or hear this later would, would be affected in a positive way. I pray that Jews would wake up and see their need for Jesus Christ. I pray that Palestinians would realize that fighting over real estate isn't worth dying to go to hell for. <laughs> Help them to turn to you and be born again. Help both sides to be born again. May, may you use our missionaries and, and the Christians and, 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 and our internet abilities to, to reach into these lives and to send some hope. Help them to find you. Help us to re recognize it's not about arguing with people on the street, especially if they don't understand all this. Help us to just keep the focus on you and to wrap not, not in a nation's flag, but to wrap ourselves in you and your flag and carry and promote the truth of the gospel. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.